Hallelujah, hallelujah. On that note, let's all stand and read the book. Let's stand to our feet, the book of Acts, the book of Acts, amen. The book of Acts chapter 2, familiar portion of scripture, Acts chapter 2, praise the name of the Lord. We're going to begin reading in verse 37, verse 37, Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when you got it, say so. And it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off as many as the Lord God will call. With many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received this word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with simplicity, with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Lord, we thank you this morning for visiting us in such a tangible and beautiful way. My hope, Lord God, is that those who were joining online sensed what we sensed in this room here. More importantly, God, that we would be drawn nearer to you because of your wondrous, glorious, and powerful presence. Lord, may you open our ears this morning that we would hear what you are saying to your church. May your name be lifted high in us, Lord God. May your kingdom be manifested in and through our lives. And I pray, God, that as we hear this truth today, that you have left us in Scripture, God, that our hearts would be stirred more towards what your will is, not ours, God. That we will be further liberated from the mindsets of this culture and the time in which we live. And that we would be translated back to the beginning, Lord God, where your heart was revealed, where practices were established that would cause your church to grow as you desire. Father, we thank you for this. We pray against distractions. We pray against every hindrance of the enemy, Lord God. In this moment, we thank you because as we sang, you are risen you are the victor, and we are victorious in you, and our enemy is defeated, bound, and we thank you for this, and we pray this in the strong name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you do not have an outline, if you would just raise your hand, the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. There's a wrong date on there for some reason, but nonetheless, it is the right outline, so we want you to be sure that you can take some notes and that you're able to follow along in this message. We want you to not only hear, but we want you to reflect and think about what it is that the Lord is communicating to us. As you saw in the video, it was 
a, a little joke, right? A little, little, little funny video there. But it is a, a reminder as we are going through our core commitments. It is a reminder of one of our core commitments that we say weekly that we are committed to growing together. And what does that look like? What does it look like to be a church that is growing together? This morning, what I want to talk about is church growth, church growth. But when I, when I say that, I don't want you to think about numbers. I don't want you to think about people in seats. This morning, as I was meditating on the service and as I was seeking the Lord, the one thing that I, that I realized and, 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 and just was reminded of is that we are the church. Amen. We are the building, right? And, and this morning as we worship, we would say that the presence of the Lord was here, right? But, but, but what I want you to realize is that the presence of the Lord was here. The presence of the Lord is in the building, which is the church, which is the people of God. And so when I speak on church growth, what I am talking about is the growth of the church, the body of Christ, how we are growing or not growing the way that God desires for us to grow. You should have an outline by now. If you look at the intro of your outline, it's been said healthy things grow. For those of you that were in Core Faith 101 last Sunday, thank you for joining us. And you heard me say that healthy things grow. We do believe that, that healthy things grow. You may, if, you, if you've never been through Core Faith 101, the next time we do it, I encourage you to go through that. But we also know this, that weeds grow side by side grass. <laughs> and and if the grass is to flourish, the weeds have to be addressed. However, if left unattended, or if left unattended and left unaddressed, the weeds will overtake the grass just like tares will do the wheat. So we had this issue a little while ago and, and with our grass about a year ago. I started to notice our grass looked like garbage. It had, like, it had like this, I don't know if any of you have ever experienced this, but it had like this, this almost this blanket over certain areas, and other areas were patchy, and there's this thing called crabgrass. I hate it, hallelujah. And it's like this wool of grass that, 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 that covers the, the good grass that you want to grow, and it just it suffocates it, doesn't allow it to grow. And, and I remember going out there with the particular service that was doing our treatment of our grass, and, and you know, the first thing that, was, that, that you know, happens, and so for anybody who, is, who, who does um, you know, cut grass and stuff like that, the, the first person they blame is the person who cuts the grass, right? <laughs> They're like, well, you know, they're bringing seedlings from over there, and it's coming to your grass. And so this is what they want, just in case you didn't know this. What those who treat grass want you to do, if you are a person who does landscaping, they want you to clean your mower after every grass you cut. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. It's never going to happen, right? But, but, but what she did was she, she blamed the, the person who was cutting the grass. She, she blamed them, right? And then, okay, so we're like, man, they, you know, so I talked to him, and then, you know, he blames them, right? And I'm like, okay, I don't know who's at fault here. But I, but I do know yeah, it was me, right? <laughs> but, but what ended up happening was, you know, she did give me some education, and she was like, listen, what we'll do is we'll come back in here. We'll do some plugs in some areas. She said, but before we do these plugs in these areas, you're going to have to come out here, and you're going to have to pull out all of that woolly mammoth stuff. 
So she showed me the areas, and that's how I learned. She's like, look, you can see right here, there is good grass that's there. It is just being suffocated by this crabgrass. And so I went out there, and I was like just tearing crabgrass out mad, hallelujah. <laughs> Got all this crabgrass out of the way, changed the person who cut our grass, hallelujah, because I know whose fault it was. Fired them because I was like, it's your fault too. Got somebody else out there, glory to God. And I don't, and I don't know what fixed the problem. All I know is that it's fixed now, amen. We don't, we don't have a crabgrass infestation. We brought somebody out who actually said, listen, they do some concoction. I'm like, glory to God for the concoction. And, this, and this, this concoction addresses crabgrass and all these different things. My point is this, is that I had to remove the crabgrass before any kind of new life was going to happen there. I had to address what was growing, right? Healthy things grow. That crabgrass was healthy, but it wasn't good. Hello. And so for us, church, it's important as followers of Jesus in your outline here, as followers of Jesus, we must ensure that what is growing is good growth and realize this, realize this, cruise control Christianity will produce results, just not kingdom results. Cruise control Christianity will produce results. It's comfortable. Everybody wants to be part of cruise control Christianity. Everybody wants to come to church and receive the blessing, hallelujah, get some holy water, start throwing it on you, glory to God. <laughs> Every, everybody wants the blessing, and, I, and, and I'm not trying to get down on my, on my Catholic friends or anything like that. Everybody wants the blessing of the, of the communion table, right? They want the blessing of knowing that they are forgiven. They, they, you know, we all want that blessing, but do we want anything outside of that blessing, or, 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 or is that all we want? We want to do just enough to receive from God. But wait a second. We see some things in the scripture here that I don't see anywhere where it's just enough. Where the church just did just enough. It is, it, it is an example for us that we're looking at here to see what Jesus is actually or, or what the church is actually doing after this beautiful moment that we see the presence and the power of God moving in such a great way. And here's what I want you to think about this morning. If we're not growing together, we're not growing. We are unhealthy. Think about that. If we are not growing together, we are not growing. We are unhealthy. So if you're an island, right? And I know right now it's easy to be an island. Come on now. It's it. That's it, right? They're, 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 they are, they, they, listen, you, you've, been, you've been being programmed to be an island. And just in case, just in case, y'all notice I came in here late today and I'm going to run out of here and I'm not going to shake any hands or anything like that. It's because I love you, right? <laughs> it is. It is because I love you. My son, he's, he, he's, he, he's COVID positive on Friday. I thought, I, 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 he thought he was going to die on Friday. That's how programmed we are. I can assure you, I don't listen to any garbage that is saying, oh, you're going to die. I don't listen to any of that. But you know what? Out there in this world that he lives in, the first thing he said when I told him, I said, I, 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 actually, I was telling my wife in Spanish because my son, for some reason, he just doesn't want to grasp. And, you know, we don't talk Spanish first language in the house. But as soon as I told her, I was like, he, you know, he said some things that I was like, babe, I, I, think, I think he's got it. My son with tears in his eye, I don't want to die. 
But we're not being programmed. Right. But anyway, here, let me get back to what I'm talking about here. I just want to use that as an example. It doesn't take long to program people. All you got to do is get them scared enough, and all of a sudden, oh, my goodness. I love what we sang about today. Because we sang about the resurrection power of Jesus. Here's my question. Do we really believe in that resurrected Savior? Do we really believe in the one who rose from the dead? Do we really believe in the one who has power over death? Do we really believe in him? Or are we so concerned with the next variant? Listen, I, I'm not, my, my father died of COVID, the first variant. So let's not get it twisted, my friends. I'm not saying this thing is not real. I'm not saying don't be wise. I'm asking you, where is your faith? Because our faith is supposed to be in this resurrected one, in this risen one. That's where our faith is supposed to be. That's where it's supposed to be. But, you know, we're being programmed. You know, we, gotta, we, can't, we can't come near each other. We, you know, we shouldn't even really lock eyes, you know. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> They change the standards so much, you don't even know what's okay or what's not okay. Because at one point, we were following, oh, I'm on this today. At one point, we were like following science, right? Like, that was the big thing. Like, we were on this science thing. Like, we couldn't do this. We needed this one. I love Jonathan because, you know, he's a science guy. Hallelujah. He did some research on masks, and he found out some stuff about the, the distance, the six feet, four. You know, and, and anyway, talk to him about that. I'll let him encourage you with his findings and, and all the research that they did. But, but you'll see, you know, at one moment we had, to be, we had to be away from each other for 15 days. Now it's five days. It was just 10 days. I don't know. At one point you couldn't come in until you had a, you know, you, you had a negative COVID test. Now it's like it's up to you. If you've been in contact with someone, you know, as a, uh, you know, if you've been in contact, it's, uh, are you, are you asymptomatic? Wait a minute. I thought we were scared of asymptomatic people. Science. Great. Wonderful. Hallelujah. Amen. See, my point is this, is that we are, we have been conditioned not just in, in a year, We've been conditioned for a long time about being divided, about being separated, right? About being an island, about being to ourselves, about, you know, why, why argue? Why, why get deep, right? <laughs> Remember the video, right? Why, why, why really do life together? Why really have conversations about stuff? You don't need to do all that. Just, just work. You know, you, you work out your salvation, you and God. <laughs> but, but, but can I ask you sincerely? Let me, let, let me calm down. Can I ask you sincerely, sincere question, where do you find that mindset in the, in the pages of Scripture? Where do you find that mindset in the pages of Scripture? Do you find it in the book of Acts, 30 years of church history? Do you ever see somebody just working out their own salvation all by themselves on an island? There's only one guy that I know that was on an island. He got some revelation for the church. That's a guy by the name of John, the apostle. Even by himself on an island, exiled, what was God doing? Speaking to him about the church. 
because the church matters to God. Jesus didn't die. And, you know, and, and, I know, and I know we learned this, right? That, and and this, I believe this is true, what I'm about to say. If you were the only person on the planet, Jesus would have died for you. Amen? Here's the thing. You're not the only person on the planet. That's true. Yes. That is fact. Yes. 100%. 100%. But you are not the only person on the planet. Jesus didn't only die for you. Oh, he surely did die for you. He died for your sins. He wants to cleanse you of all unrighteousness. He wants to set you free from every bondage in your life. Yes, God, Jesus did that for you, but he saved you to make you part of his body. He saved you to make you part of a people. And so again, I repeat, if we are not growing together, we are not growing, we are unhealthy. First thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say church growth is the result of devotion to the right things. Church growth is the result of devotion to the right things. And so we just picked up in verse 37 in chapter 2 of the book of Acts. But what we find here is that in the whole chapter earlier on, there was a powerful moment where the Spirit of God descended for the first time collectively on the church, 120 people in the upper room. They began to speak with tongues and made a spectacle at that moment because there was tons and tons tons of people in Jerusalem at that time from different places. They were Jews. However, they spoke different dialects. And what they heard coming out of that 120 people in that upper room was the praises of God in their languages, in their different tongues. They were like, yo, what's going on here? God drew their attention. And then after God draws their attention, somebody in the crowd is like, well, man, they're drunk. And then, you know, Peter comes out with the great defense. It's too early to be drunk. Hello. <laughs> That was his, his defense wasn't like, hey, we don't drink. That wasn't his defense. His defense was like, it's just too early for them to be drunk. You can't accuse them of that. It's only like, you know, 9 o'clock in the morning or something. And he said, but this what you see is what, what, what Joel prophesied, that God would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters would prophesy. Notice it's funny because Joel never mentions tongues, but Peter says, hey, this is what was prophesied. This outpouring of the Spirit of God, God coming to inhabit his people, no longer just touching them externally, no longer just filling them for a moment of service, but now coming to dwell within them. That's a different thing. And then as Peter preaches this fiery sermon, he finishes preaching his sermon, and the people are like, what, what, what must we do? And he's like, you need to repent and be baptized. Be, 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 be forgiven of your sin. Be filled with the Spirit. Receive the promise of the Father. And then what do we see happening here? Well, we see that happens immediately following this moment of the outpouring of the Spirit, this moment that God adds 3,000 people to the church. What happens is this. The natural outflow of conversion is what? Is that they devoted themselves. If you're reading the, the, the ESV or some other versions, it says there in verse 42, in my, in my version, the King James Version, it says, and they continued steadfastly. But for me, the, the terminology there, they continued steadfastly. While it defines what was happening, I like the word devoted because it shows that they acted. That they made a decision. They devoted themselves to certain things, certain behaviors. 
in the context of community. Let me say it again. They didn't just go and say, man, I got saved. I need to go spend some time with Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That isn't what they said. They obviously, I would assume they were doing that, but what they did was they devoted themselves to certain activities in the context of community. See, here's the thing. A healthy church is committed to growing together, growing together. We say it weekly, but let me flip it around for you. Together growing. A healthy church is together growing. It is together growing in their relationship with God. It is together growing in their understanding of Scripture. It is together growing in the area of prayer. This is what they were committed to, to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship. That's, that's what the Scripture says, right? To the breaking of bread. That's what the Scripture says. They, 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 they were committed to the teaching of Scripture. They devoted themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to the teaching of the Old Testament because they didn't have the New Testament. Yet, and, and the expounding on who Jesus was. Learning and growing. They devoted themselves to that, but in what? In the context of fellowship. Not just a casual hangout, not just a once in a while barbecue or get together. No, no, no. They were devoted to the apostles' doctrine, to fellowship, to fellowship. And, that, and, you, and you know what I love happens here is that there's a distinction made between fellowship and the breaking of bread. There's a distinction that is made in the scripture because he, he doesn't just want, he could have just said fellowship because fellowship means what, you know? <laughs> fellowship is what? It's food and fun. That's what it is, right? It's, it's not how fellowship is. I thought that's what church fellowship was, right? Especially according to the shallow groups that we just looked at a moment ago. That's what, no, wait a second. The breaking of bread. And so there is obvious, I think, there's reference to the Lord's table, but, but, but it's bigger than that. Because remember, communion wasn't just what we do. It wasn't this, you know, definitely wasn't this, you know, what we do here at this moment, right? And let me, let, let me say this to you as well. It isn't what was happening or what happens in other places, you know, where you come forward, you get a wafer, or di- I, no, no. you got a drink off, this, that's disgusting. But anyway, that's another topic. I'm just saying, man, that's, that's nasty. I, you know, but, 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 you know, that's another topic. Another day, another day. Y'all wouldn't be down with that. If I said, hey, I got a cup up here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wipe it every time. So, anyway, let's go. Let's move on. Let's move on. <sighs> Praise the Lord. I know some of you too well. You would not be down with something like that. You, you would think that there was something, something wrong. Like, nah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to hell because I'm not doing that. I'm just saying. Communion wasn't this. It wasn't a wafer and some wine or a wafer and some grape juice. Communion was a communion meal. We're going to look at it together in a moment at the end of the sermon when we, when we partake of communion together. But I'm going to back up a little bit today when I read, and I'm going, to, I'm going to let you see what Paul was actually doing in that passage of Scripture, how he was rebuking them. And listen, you can't get drunk off of something like this. Are you here? But he's telling them some of them were drunk. Some of them, you, you get full off of this? What did you do, grab all the, all the communion wafers and hoard them? I mean, 
I'm joking now because in a moment, I don't want to joke in that serious moment of communion. But the thing is, Paul is rebuking them because when they came together for this communion meal where they're reminded of the last time Jesus sat with his disciples, that's part of the, listen, that's, that's outside of, but part of the fellowship. It's a meal. They broke bread together. They remembered the body of Jesus Christ. They remember the blood of Jesus Christ, but they remembered the fellowship that is there because of Jesus Christ. And then they were devoted to prayers. You notice something. The church started in prayer. The church was born in prayer. Jesus told them to wait, and what did they do? They didn't just hang out and go and have barbecues and wait and say, well, what's going to happen? No. What did they do? They came together three times a day praying, seeking God, waiting. Lord, you told us to wait in Jerusalem. We're waiting. They're praying. They're in one accord. They're seeking the face of the Lord together, growing church. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Not trying to grow by ourselves. Not trying to just grow on my own. But together, growing. There is no question. There is no question. Let me make this crystal clear. Our personal relationship with the Lord is of the utmost importance and should be a huge priority in your life. Whether it's waking up early in the morning, I personally, I personally like that because I find that if I wait to the evening, it doesn't happen. And if it does, I'm falling asleep on Jesus. Trying to read and my head's bobbing and my eyes are closing. I'm reading the same thing over and over again. Nothing is going through here. It's not edifying me or changing me. I, li- I like the morning time because I get to spend time with the Lord when I'm fresh I get to wake up. I get to set my my heart on his, my affections on him. I get to commune with him. And then I get to live my day out of, hopefully, out of that time with the Lord. Not that I stop communing with him, right? Not Not that I stop praying. Not that I stop meditating on scripture. But I started my day in a separated time. So look, I don't know if that's what you do. But you should spend time with God. Personally, one on one with him. But, but can I say something sincerely? It wasn't enough back then, and that's not enough now. We are part of the body of Christ. Huh. God never, never intended for us and our relationship with him to grow in isolation or individualism. He never intended that. Yes, this goes for my, you know, my, my fellow folks that, that they're introverts. I'm one of you. <laughs> not Bishop, you're not. Oh, yeah, I am. I, the, the, the worst creation for me was the iPhone or any kind of smartphone. Because I have, I have a way to escape from everyone around me. All I got to do is do this. No matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, guess what? I can do this. And then everybody knows I'm busy, right, because I'm checking emails or doing something important. Definitely not playing Candy Crush or something like that, right? <laughs> I don't like Candy Crush. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a words with friends, you know, chess guy because I'm very intelligent. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but the truth is you can only refresh your email so many times. You can only check Facebook so many times. You can only go on Instagram so many times. But the, but, but, but the reality is to my fellow introverts that you don't, you know, you, it drains you to hang out with people. You know, you know, come on now. If you're an introvert, you're saying amen, Bishop. Thank you. I feel you. 
But you know what? It's also life-giving when I get around my brothers and sisters in Christ. It takes time to develop those relationships. It does. It takes time to, to break off that, that, that cocoon. It takes time to, to get into that connection that we see so clearly in the scriptures. I can assure you there were tons of introverts here. They had just been conditioned differently than we are. That's it. That's all it is. See, Christianity is meant to be a communal thing as well as an inclusive thing. Hence the truth in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11 through 22. Turn with me there really quickly. We'll come back to the book of Acts so you can hold your place there. But Ephesians chapter 2, and I just, I, I want to read these verses because I think that they are important for us to understand what Jesus did. Because when we're talking about church growth being the result of devotion to certain things, how is it, what is the biblical foundation that, that, that I'm part of family. And mind you, there's plenty of scripture, plenty of example throughout the New Testament. I'm simply bringing you to one place that I think makes it so crystal clear for us as far as what happened on the cross. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 11. Here's what it says. Beginning there, we'll read to the end. It says this, Therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Now, can we just pause for a moment here? I, I just want you to see what he said, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. That's a community of people. Israel is a, when, when, when God called Abraham, remember that guy, Genesis chapter 12? When God called Abraham, he told him he was going to make him a father of many nations, right? He was going to bless him. It wasn't just for him. It was for the world. So, so, so what we have here is that we are without Christ. When, when God comes to bring salvation, he doesn't just want to save you. He wants to save your household. He wants to save your tribe. I remember hearing a, a teaching one time on the book of Joshua. And you know how Joshua says at the end, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, when we think of household, what do we think about automatically? In our household, when we were growing up, it was six kids and a mom, right? Like that was our household, right, in general. So most of us, when we think of our household, that's what we think about, right? We think about the six kids or three kids or 12 kids or four, however big your family is, that's your household, right? When Joshua is talking about his household, he's talking about a whole lot more people than just those people that his spouse gave birth to. Are you here? He's talking about all of the servants. He's talking about all of those people that are, he's talking about this whole group. This household is a much larger group of people than just a few folks that I'm going to hang out with and be good with. This is different. And so we have this commonwealth. He says that we're not part of this commonwealth. Unless you're Jewish in here, you are not part of the commonwealth that is being described here. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you, and I can assure you, I didn't look this up. You can go look it up, check me later. If I'm wrong, you can let me know. But I'm going to assume because I know the way that Paul writes when he's speaking to the church that that word there should not be you, it should be used. Hello. <laughs> It should be used. <laughs> Y'all. <laughs> For us Southerners, right? Y'all. Use. Y'all. <laughs> but now in Christ, y'all... 
who once were afar off have, brought, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Why am I joking about yous and y'all? Because that is a plural word. It is not a singular word. The problem with us when we read you, we think in our English American terms. And so what do we do? It's he's talking about you. No, 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 no. He's talking about yous. He's talking about the whole. He's talking about everybody in the city. He's talking about the city of Ephesus, glory to God. He's talking about everybody who is part of the church in Ephesus, which, by the way, just as an aside, in those days, you had a church in the city. You didn't have like 15 churches or like Oviedo, like 50 churches and options. You had one church. You couldn't church hop. You had to move cities, glory to God. And back then, there weren't cars, so you couldn't just drive to wherever you wanted, right? Like you wanted to be in the anyway. Verse 14, for he himself is our peace, who, is, who has made both one and has broken down the middle wall of separation. So there was a separation between Jews and Gentiles in that time. And what Jesus comes and does is he comes and he tears this wall down. And what does he do? Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, thereby putting death the enmity, and he came and preached peace to you, to y'all, who were afar off and to those who were near, for, th- for through, through him we both have access to one, to, by one spirit to the Father. What is he saying there? For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. He is saying here that because of what Jesus did, no longer is it Israel who can only call him Father, but you can all call him Father. Because we have all been brought into this wonderful family, but it doesn't end there. But notice he said he reconciled them both into one body. We talk about reconciliation all the time. And here's what we think when we think about reconciliation. Reconciliation, healing this broken relationship. We think about this reconciliation, do we not? Whenever you hear the word reconciliation, you think automatically, I have been reconciled to God. But you know what the text says? The text says you have not just been reconciled to God on a vertical level, but you have been reconciled to each other on a horizontal level. Come on now. You, by, by, by the ordination of God and the work of the cross, you and I have been made family. Like me or not, you are my brother, you are my sister. Come on, somebody. That is what Jesus did. We don't choose. The moment you chose Jesus, guess what? You chose his family. (laughs) And all their craziness, amen. (laughs) Verse 19, now, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Again, members of the family of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you also are being built together.
He didn't say you were being built in your prayer closet. Of course you're being built there. Of course you're being built out on your porch or in your backyard or wherever you meet Jesus in Starbucks. Of course you are being built there. Of course. But you are not being built just for yourself. You are being built together. Why, why, why? Look at him. In whom you also are being built together, a dwelling place of God in the spirit. What does God want to do? He wants to pour out his power and his presence. And guess what? You and I alone are not enough to house the glory and power of God. We want to see revival. We want to see God move. Oh, then we got to grow together. We've got to grow the way that God wants us to grow, not the way that we want to grow, not what's comfortable for us. We have got to push beyond this. The division that existed between Jews and Gentiles has been broken down. That's what Jesus, or that's what Paul just says here, through the blood of Jesus, and you and I have been made family. Hear me when I say this. Families that do not grow together die. Families that do not grow together die. If you don't spend time with family members, you don't talk to them, guess what's going to happen? Slowly but surely, those relationships wither, and they wilt, and they become non-existent. That's what happens. What do you think happens in the church? It's the same thing, same principle. Second thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, church growth is the result of gospel-motivated unity. Church growth is, is, is the result of gospel-motivated unity. Let's go back to chapter 2 in the book of Acts. Chapter 2 in the book of Acts. I'm going to read from verse 44, and look what it says here. It says, Now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. Let's continue reading verse 46. So continuing daily with one accord. Notice that one accord. You see, they had all things in common in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Again, they were having these fellowship meals. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. When we become family, what do we do? We care for one another. Do we not? We care. We're concerned about one another. Now, we may not be able to fix every problem. We may not be able to do everything, for, but, but we care about others, do we not? We, we, we should. That, that's what family does. The, the gospel that brings us together has to keep us together. That's what has to happen. Is that we become, just a moment ago, you can see that I get, I, I, get high, I get hot when I start talking about the things that are going on in our day. I get bothered by those things. Those things are easy. Some of you were offended here and online. And you know what? You, 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 you mad at Bishop because he said some stuff that somebody was wrong or whatever. I'm okay with that. That's going to happen. That doesn't mean I don't love you. That doesn't mean that I don't care about you. And hopefully that doesn't mean the same for you to me. Hopefully just because I, 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 I'm, newsflash, I'm going to offend you again. <laughs> as, long as, God, as long as God has me on this earth, as long as I'm getting behind a pulpit to preach the God, oh, you're going to be offended. There, there's going to be something I'm going to say. You may not be offended three weeks, but the fourth week, you probably. And, and, and listen, I want you to know, I don't wake up and be like, who can I offend today? That's not how I live. <laughs> I don't prepare my sermons like, let me think about who I can really rub hard when I do this. I don't do that. 
Oh, I think about you when I prepare sermons, for sure. I see you when I'm preparing sermons. Like, there are certain points I'm like, oh, he needs that. She needs that. Oh, I need that. Hey, amen. And I know, listen, I, when, I, when I'm praying and I'm preparing, because I know you, especially if I know you, man, I know where I'm going to rub you the wrong way today. But I can't, I can't shut up just because I, I, I love you enough, right? I, I don't, I'm not rubbing you the wrong way for me or for my good. I, I'm talking about us as a body, as a church. If we, we, we have to be committed to biblical church growth. And part of that is a unity that is the result of the gospel. The gospel brings us together. See, here's the truth, church. If we are not being revived and renewed by the gospel, overwhelmed by God's love, by God's mercy, and by God's grace, you know what happens? Our hearts become callous, and we will inevitably grow disconnected and unconcerned with others. And you know, you know there, there, there's one place that you are reminded of the gospel, and that's in your prayer time. That's in your time seeking the Lord. That's in the time that you're individually in the word. But you know where else you get, you, you get exposed to and be encouraged with the gospel is in community with other believers. I love, I, I love a video, one of the videos that I looked at. It said, we like circles better than lines. Because these are lines here, right? That's what these are. You're looking forward. You don't have to look at each other. You can look at me. You can look away from me. You can be offended. I won't even know. You know, I mean, whatever. But when we're sitting in a circle and there's only like five of us or eight of us, why are you so quiet? Hey, would you like to contribute to this conversation? Oh, it's different. And, so, and some of us are like, yes, I love that. Others are like, no, I don't want any of that. But here's the thing. It doesn't matter whether you love it. Or whether you hate it, here's the question. Is it biblical? That's the question. Is it a biblical calling? Is it a biblical mandate? What is it? Because, it, listen, it's not, it's not just me. I'm just like anybody else in this room. I'm down with cruise control Christianity. I would love, listen, I would love, love, love to just show up on Sunday and just preach. I know some of you are like, that's all you do anyway. Okay. (laughs) The devil is a liar, and you don't know what I do. But anyway, it's okay. You can think that. (laughs) But I wish that's all it was. I wish that the only thing I had to do was spend hours a week in prayer and preparing sermons and coming up. I would love if that was all I did. I would love that. That would be great. That would be cruise control Christianity. I would, would, listen, I don't even like golf. I might pick up golf. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying. No, I like racquetball. I don't like golf. But anyway, I would play racquetball much more. I haven't played racquetball in who knows how long. But anyway, that's I'm complaining to you. But, but listen. We have to be committed to community. We have to be committed to growing together, together growing. We have to. Here's the thing, growing together requires more than Sunday attendance and more than casual fellowship. And because what I find with, with, with us, and I say us because I'm just like you, listen to me, I am, I am preaching as hard to myself as I'm preaching to you. I'm cool with coming to church on Sunday, you know, not today, but, you know, typically shaking hands, hugs, and all that good stuff. I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with the fellowship, get invited to someone's house, break bread. I'm good with that. <laughs> but beyond that, like, I got to come hang out with you outside of Sunday every week. Come on now. I got other things to do. I'm, talk- you're ta- I'm talking for you right now. Come on. I think the same thing. 
when we meet with, with the men, whatever day it is, listen, whatever day it is, know this, there's always something else I can do on that day. Sometimes it's sleep. Sometimes, sometimes that day liberates me from a honeydew list. Come on now, keep it 100. Sometimes that day, babe, we got to go, we, we, we got to go, we got to go to connect, babe. I can't do that right now. Come on now. I got to be spiritual, babe. Come on. We can't, we can't work on that, on the house right now, babe. Come on. We got to, we got to come together with the body. Amen. Thank you, Bishop, for liberating. I'm trying to liberate you, glory to God. The, the, to, the to-do list is going to be there later on. I, I can't liberate you completely, but I can get you a day and salvage that. Amen. But here's the truth. Some, it's like, man, I, I would just want to sleep in today. That's what I want to do. I'm tired. I worked all week hard. I, I, okay. Yeah, that, that happens. But man, you know what I, you know what I can say? 100, and, and I say this with 100% honesty and sincerity. And this may not be you, and you're like, well, I don't feel the same way. That's okay. But for me, every single time that I make it and I gather with my brothers and sisters, I always walk away. And I sense a peace, a joy, a, man, God, thank you that I didn't miss. Truth is, growing together requires more than Sunday attendance, more than casual fellowship. It requires committed connection with other believers. Church, listen, here's the thing. Churches do it differently. Right? Every, every church does it differently. Some of them do Wednesday night Bible study. Some do a Wednesday night fellowship. Some do a thir- Tuesday night prayer, Thursday night Bible study. Some, you know, there's different things. Somebody has small groups. In a, you know what? A long time ago, we got together. You know what we decided? We prayed. We saw God. And we were like, Lord, what do we want people to do? What, what, what do we think is, is, the, is the closest to what we see in the scriptures? And, wh- and what is a way that we can help people grow, right? Get people out of lines and get them into circles. How is it that we do that? And we decided Core Connect Life Cruise was a way to do it. We, we intentionally, listen, I lo- I'm going to tell you right now, I am a preacher. I am a teacher. There is nothing I love more than standing up here or standing down there and instructing God's people. There's nothing more that I love to do. I'm being 100% honest with you. I love doing that. I could do that every day of the week. You know how it says they got together daily? I could do it every day. I could get together every day with the body of Christ and do that, but I, listen, as we've prayed, I'm like, man, but is that going to be the thing that's going to move people into maturity in Christ? And I don't know, because some people will connect, but other people, you know what they'll do? They'll just, they'll stay in their shell, come here another teaching, come here another Bible study, and then whoop, they're out. And so we have this thing called Rudy. You could talk to Pastor Aldo more about that. If you're if you, if you not part of a Core Connect life group, listen, you need to get down with Rooted, and then you need to f- get, get into the life of the church growing together. And listen, it's uncomfortable. Absolutely. For some of you, it's going to be really uncomfortable. But you know what? If you will live the way that God wants you to live in this, you will grow the way that God wants you to grow in this. See, the thing is what we want to do, what, what happens in these smaller groups is it allows us to gather, not like the shallow groups. Hello. It allows us to gather and grow together more closely with a smaller group of people, now here, who we can care for, who we can grow with, who we can serve with, and who we can reach with. That's what is supposed to happen. We're supposed to grow together with a group. So you know what? You don't have to call Pastor Aldo or Bishop or one of the leaders and say, hey, somebody has a need. You know why? Because our small group has ministered to that need. 
You see, when you're, when, when you're always depending on the pastors to do everything or the leaders to do everything, you know who doesn't grow? You. You don't grow the way God intended. Wait a second. What, what are leadership here for? You, 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 you can look later on. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. And you're going to see that he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers. And the purpose of this is for the edification of the saints for the work of the ministry. That's the purpose. It's not to wow you and awe you because we know Jesus so well. It's to empower you to serve the way that God intended. It's to empower you to grow. It's to empower you to be that counselor. It's to empower you to be that giver. It's to empower you to be that servant. It's to empower you to be used in the gifts, whatever it is that God has given you. And that way you can do what? You can edify the body. You know why we're not healthy if we're not growing together? Because your gift is not being used in the kingdom to build the body. That's why. That's why we have to be together serving the third thing. And I'm getting ready to wrap up here. The third thing, say this with me, church growth is a major target of the enemy. Church growth is a major target of the enemy. Look at verse 43. In the middle of all of this, look what it says. It says, then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. What does that have to do with the enemy? You know what the enemy doesn't want? The enemy doesn't want the fear of the Lord in our community. The enemy doesn't want the awe of God to be in our community. So you know what he does? He fights the unity of the body of Christ more than anything else. Listen, again, I repeat this. It isn't just over, you know, the, 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 the COVID or, 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 or issues like that. It isn't just recent. Are you here? It isn't just that. It's been for a long time that the enemy has been, has been hitting away at the body of Christ, dividing us more and more and more. He's been working overtime to create as much division in the, church, in the church as possible. The sad truth is this. From doctrinal issues to social issues, the church has struggled to maintain unity, and it has hindered biblical church growth. Because you know what we do? From the days you go back to Martin Luther... You, you go way back to him. <laughs> From those days when God was calling the church to repentance, you know what the church did? Instead of repenting and recognizing where it was wrong, it just divided again. That's all it did. Pride rose up in one group, and then I'm not saying Martin Luther was prideful in what he did, but he couldn't continue. What do we see throughout? We see in the scriptures, we see divisions that happen in the scriptures. But in our present day, we see, I mean, we see division over everything. Listen, I could stand up here and I could go off for another 20 minutes on all of the divisions that are there. I will spare you that. But I want you to understand that all of those things that make you look at people sideways, all of those things that make you doubt somebody's sincerity in their walk, all of those things are there planted by the enemy to bring division. Why? Because when we are united, the presence of God moves in a way that is unsustainable or, 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 or should I say undeniable by the world because what happens is we become the dwelling place like the 120 that were in the upper room. As they were up there praying and waiting on God, they became the dwelling place of God's power. And then God's power moved in Jerusalem in such a way that it caused what? It caused people to be in awe, like, what is going on? And some people doubted. And then the gospel was preached, and souls were converted and changed by the power of God. 
Anybody doesn't want a unified church. He doesn't want a church that's actually praying and seeking God together. He doesn't want a church that's actually devoted to the apostles' doctrine and the teaching of Scripture. He doesn't want a church that is consistently breaking bread together. He doesn't want to, listen, he wants casual Christianity all day long. He does not care how many people come into the church. Listen to me now. He doesn't care how many people join. He doesn't care about that. He cares about how they live. He cares about them living unified. He cares about them moving. Because you know what? Here's what happens. Now, listen. When we come together, many times we come together, we gather because we have some religious background, right? And we know that we should come to church together. And it's, again, for our benefit. I mean, I got to get to church because what I need to be encouraged by the word. I got to get to church because I got to feel better about my, it's, it's about you, But when you start becoming the church, it's not about you. When you start becoming the church, it's not about you. It's about Christ being glorified in you. It's about Christ being glorified in us. So here's the bottom line. You cannot embrace the mindset of, I'm good, I don't need anyone. That's the mindset that many of us grasp. I'm good, man. I don't really need anyone. I'm fine. I'm growing. You know, my spouse will rebuke me if I'm doing wrong. Uh Uh-huh. Amen. Hallelujah. If we're going to be healthy, we can't embrace that mindset. See, here's the fact. The fact is, if we're going to be obedient to the Lord, again, not about me, not about you, not about my feelings, not about your feelings, is this a mandate that we see in the scriptures? I would say yes. If we're going to be obedient to the Lord, if we're going to follow his commands, if we're going to grow, grow, growing together cannot be optional. Are you here? If we are going to obey the Lord, if we are going to follow his command, growing together cannot be optional. Growing together cannot be on our terms. And growing together cannot be when it is convenient to us either. Hello. Growing together can't be when it fits into your schedule. No, this is a biblical mandate. Shift your schedule. That's the truth. You know, all of us are in different seasons of life, right? Like some of us got newborns. Some of us has kids that are in school playing games, all kind of stuff. Some of us are empty nesters, right? Like different places where we are. Listen, guess what? He's called all of us to be the body together. And so that means that we have to work together in order to grow together the way that God has called us to. We have to commit to growing together God's way with God's people. Pastor John Kimball, he says it's relationship with reason. We've got to have relationships with reason. And so my closing question is this. Are you willing to be part of biblical church growth? Are you willing to be part of biblical church growth? Are you willing to say, you know what, it's not my way. It's not my will. It's not, listen, it's it's not even comfortable for me, but I want to obey God. Are you willing? Are you willing to let God deploy your gifts in kingdom service? Are you willing to let God grow your character through relationship with other people? I know some of this is like way out of your comfort zone. Some of you, it's not even about comfort. It's that you've been hurt so many times. You don't want to try again. I know. Listen, there's a lot of reasons, and, and I would say excuses. There's a lot of those. There's a lot of ways that we excuse ourselves from a commitment to growing together. But my question remains, are you willing to be part of biblical church growth? 
Listen, if you say yes, I'm not going to ask you to stand up. I'm going to ask you to make sure you see Pastor Aldo. Send him a text. You can get on Realm. You can get on Realm if, you're, if, 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 you're, if you don't know his number. I don't know his number by heart, but he'll tell you when he comes up here. He's going to give you his number when he comes up here because he, he believes, just like I believe, that you have heard God's word today and that if you have not been committed to growing together, you are going to repent that you are going to turn away from your selfishness, that you're going to turn away from your excuses, that you're going to turn away from your mindset. You're going to say, God, I want to do it your way. I don't want to do it my way. I want to be healthy. I want to be part of a healthy church. I want to grow together. I want to together grow with my brothers and sisters for your glory and for your honor. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today so much for the love that you have shown us that is abundant. We thank you so much for the grace that you have revealed to us in saving us and setting us free. The beautiful reminders that we have had this morning, Lord God, that you are the resurrected one, that you are the great God, the great Savior. You are the great King. You reign and you rule. So, Lord, we humble our hearts before you. And Lord, I know that these words have not been easy words. I know these words have been challenging and to some more challenging than others. But Lord, despite a pandemic, despite different variants, despite political views that differ, despite feelings of, of different social issues, despite all of that, just as you called these 12 men from different places, so you've called us together as your body. And so we are no different than generations past, and just like them, we have excuses. We're comfortable, and Lord, we, we, don't, we don't see the need. Or maybe we've been hurt, and we just don't know how to navigate it, but God, we pray today would be a new day in our hearts. We pray, Lord God, that we would flourish, that we would bear fruit, that we would, as your people, that we would take that next step in our core commitments, that we would go from loving you to loving others and beginning to grow together with them. Father, I come against every excuse, and I pray sincerely, Lord God, beginning with me, that you would give us no peace if we are not in committed community. Father, we thank you for this. We pray this in Jesus' strong name. And everyone said, amen.